Welcome to this Mount Pleasant Baptist Church podcast recorded at our Thornley campus. We're glad you've joined us and we pray that the Lord will speak to you and encourage you through this message. So good to be here with you this morning. It, uh, Sue and I have been looking forward to it uh, during the course of the week to see your faces and uh, to be among you. Uh, We love you guys, and uh, we love what the Lord's doing here, and uh, the plans that he has for you and the church here. Of course, we've been on a journey, haven't we, for the last, uh, well, 12 months, beginning of this year, uh, when I think we first met and uh, began a dialogue. So it's been a wonderful faith journey together, and uh, the Lord has gone before us. I have no doubt about that. He's gone before us and he's with us and he's right with us and for us now. And uh, his heart is to lead us on, step by step, at his pace, into the things that he has prepared for us, which is exciting. Well, our series leading into Christmas, uh, we've titled, Who is Jesus? And uh, I believe that is the single most significant question that you and I will ever answer in our lives. And today, uh, not surprisingly, but uh, I suppose pertinently, uh, we're answering the question with the truth that Jesus is light. And uh, I don't know whether you remember, but I certainly did as I was preparing to speak today, that the Lord spoke to us at the commissioning service Uh, on this very subject. He said that this church would be like a lampstand where the light of Christ would shine brightly, ever more brightly uh, through you. This place, through each one of us and through us as a church. And do you remember that many in the area will come out of darkness and into his glorious light? Do you remember that? Yeah, uh, I remember that happening. You might remember a man by the name of uh, Dr. Stephen Hawking. He was a, uh, a physicist at uh, Cambridge University, and he once said that uh, religion is a fairy tale for those who are afraid of the dark. To which John Lennox, and many of you know John Lennox, an Oxford mathematician, said, Atheism is a fairy tale. For those afraid of the light, how true is that? Like the darkness, they like the darkness rather than the light. Well, who is Jesus? Well, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What an amazing claim. I mean, it's an incredible claim. It's a cosmic claim. I mean, if he was just a human being, we would be offended. Uh, But he was more than a human being. He was a human being, but much more. But what did Jesus mean by that? He didn't mean, of course, that that he was the sun, S-U-N, the sun that sits in the sky. He made the sun uh, that sits in the sky. And, of course, light in physics is electromagnetic radiation that we can detect can be detected with the human eye. But uh, more practically, light is something that gives us vision. 
It enables us to see and it gives colour and life to everything. And of course, light is the source of energy for all living things. And physical light is essential, isn't it, for physical life. And uh, I guess when we think of light, we first think of the sun, which of course warms us and, and uh, sustains life on earth. And then we probably think of an electric light switch that we just kind of squick on, uh, switch on and we say, do we say this? Let there be light? And there normally is, isn't there? We do it. So let's just turn the lights out for a moment and uh, see what that's like. See how dark we can get the room. That's not too bad. One of the things that we discover is that it's actually very hard to be in total darkness. There's always light. There seems to always be traces of light somewhere, somewhere, which is really the grace of God. But darkness is nothing other than the absence of light. Darkness has no existence in itself. We don't turn darkness on. We don't turn darkness on. What we do is we turn the lights on. And look at that. Light overcomes darkness, doesn't it? Light overcomes darkness. Darkness has no existence in itself. And up here we have a cross. And on that cross, darkness, spiritual darkness, was overcome once and for all. And the one who is the light of the world, darkness and death could not hold him. He overcame it because he is light and light overcomes darkness. So let's have the lights back on again. And uh, we see that, um, yeah, darkness can't survive in a room full of light. Look at that. <laughs> can't survive, which is just a wonderful thing. Well, light and darkness, of course, are natural phenomena. And we use the terms light and darkness metaphorically, don't we, in our everyday life uh, as a metaphor. And the scriptures do the same. The two images are given theological significance right through the scriptures. Light in theology is life. It's life and uh, the power of God to live and to move and to walk in the ways of God. Uh, eternal life. It's the fullness of life in the scriptures. And so physical light and sight is used metaphorically for spiritual life and sight. Talking about an inward revelation of truth in here. The eyes of our hearts. And, uh, you know, we might be able to physically see, but we can be physically blind, but have spiritual sight. Is that true? Inward sight where we see and we know God in our inner being. God, the invisible God can be known in the human heart. And it was Helen Keller who famously said, better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. How true is that? And we read in Proverbs 20 that the human spirit is a lamp of the Lord that sheds light on our innermost being. I love that. 
Light suggests sight. It suggests vision, uh, seeing with clarity where you're going and being able to walk confidently and safely, uh, both in a physical sense and in a spiritual sense. So light is used really in scripture and in general life to convey the things that are good, the things that are positive, like life and truth and righteousness and uh, hope and revelation and vision. Well, darkness, on the other hand, suggests a lack of sight, doesn't it? A lostness, kind of an inability to find your way, a stumbling over things, a groping for direction, you know, unable to see where you're going, and all the fear and the hopelessness that's associated with that, both in a physical sense and in a spiritual sense. And it's not surprising that children are born, when they're born, what do they do early on in life? What do we all do early on in life? We're scared of the dark, aren't we? We're scared of it. Not anymore. Darkness is used to convey the negative. Um, Sin, evil, death, confusion, ignorance, blindness, chaos, isolation, destruction, fear, and all of these things. But you know, the scriptures begin in Genesis 1 with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, for the first three days, light shone from a source other than the sun. And that's how the scriptures begin, and that's how the scriptures end. In Revelation 22, the very last chapter of the Bible, they begin with light but no sun and end the same way. Revelation 22, 5, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord will give them light. So what might that light be? Well, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Praise God. Jesus was saying, there is no other source of life or light in the world. That he is the light of lights. It's by grace that there's life at all on the earth, by the grace of God. Apart from him, all is dark. All is darkness apart from Christ. He is more than the creator of the sun that sits in the sky. He's the source of every living thing. So the Apostle John begins chapter 1 of the gospel, of his gospel by saying, and I paraphrase here that Jesus was the word who was in the beginning, who was God and is now God in human flesh. And that through him all things were created and that in him was life and that life was the light of all humanity, all humanity. The true light of life that gives light and life to everyone has come into the world. And though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognise him. They didn't see who he was. Why? Because they were living in darkness. They were living in darkness. They liked the darkness rather 
than the light. You know, John goes on to tell us uh, later on, chapter 7, that Jesus made this extraordinary claim that he was the light of the world during the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, I think this is significant, that when he made this declaration. See, the Feast of Tabernacles was an eight-day feast. It was a great celebration, one of the most joyous, and it kind of brought to remembrance when the children of Israel were moving through the wilderness and they were living in tents. And so they used to live in tents all around Jerusalem to recall those days when the Lord led them through the wilderness to the promised land. And there they were living in tents. And so they reconstructed this at the Feast of Tabernacles for eight days. And of course the tents also recalled that God himself was among them. He tabernacled. He lived in a tent among them. And what tabernacle means is that God dwelt with them. That's always been God's heart, to dwell with us, to be with us and to dwell with us. So it's helpful to see, I think, that the eight-day feast of the tabernacles was constituted around two ceremonies. A significant one was the light ceremony. There's also a water ceremony, but the light was significant. For the first seven days of the feast, when the sun would set, there would be the joy of music and dancing and celebration in Israel, in Jerusalem, sorry. And uh, what they would do is they would turn on four huge candelabras, huge candelabras, that actually brought Jerusalem a glow in lights, covered in light as they celebrated. Of course, the light was recalling that God was their gracious guide. He guided them through the desert by a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire in the night. And of course, we know that in the desert, whether it's day or night, it's pretty easy to get lost, to lose direction and orientation. So whenever the pillars moved, what did the people do? They packed up and they followed. They followed the pillar. And if they didn't, they were left alone in disorientation and darkness. So Jesus' presence and guidance pointed to God as our guide, but God as light. He is light, pure light. And Psalm 119 says this, Your word, O Lord, is a lamp. For my feet, a light on my path. I love that. And God's good and faithful guidance day by day and by night was remembered during the feast. So during the feast when those lights were on, they were recalling psalms and prophecies from the scriptures, calling them out aloud. Uh, Psalms like, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 78, he guided them, talking about their ancestors, with the cloud by day, with the light from the fire all night. Psalm 56, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. And then uh, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, come descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's a good thing to do. And then Isaiah 60, the sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again 
and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of sorrow will end. And that will happen. There'll be a day when there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more darkness. No more spiritual darkness. No more darkness. Only light. And for seven days, the people, they believed it. And for seven nights, they joyfully sang and celebrated God as light. And on the eighth day, the candles were extinguished. And it was on the eighth night, when darkness fell over Jerusalem, that Jesus stood up in the temple courts, in the darkness. And he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of light. You see, Jesus' timing was impeccable. The people had been celebrating in the light of the great candelabras, which pierced the darkness for seven nights. And then Jesus, on that last night of the great feast, when all was dark, said, I am the light of the cosmos that pierces the darkness, both during the day and during the night. I am the light of the world, the light of the cosmos. I'm the light that never goes out, is what Jesus was saying. I'm the one who provides both physical light for human existence and spiritual light for human prosperity. Light to live fully and rightly. Jesus is the light of life, the source of life. And he's saying, follow me and you'll never stumble all over the place and able to see where you're going. I will, says Jesus, illuminate the path of life to you. This is incredible. If we believe these things, who Jesus is, the implications for our lives are significant, life-changing implications. I want to briefly just look at four of those life-changing implications. Firstly, we see God. It's the first implication, we see God. If we stay close to Jesus the light, you will never walk in darkness about God. Never. You'll not be in the dark about who God is and what God is like. Jesus is the, the light that leads us out of vagueness and wishy-washiness about God. To know God as God really is. And he does that day by day, step by step as we walk with him. Not all at once, but he reveals God to us. Jesus said, if you knew me, you would know my Father also. Because to know Jesus is to know God the Father. How good is that? Jesus is the perfect revelation of the true God. Both God and man. And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4 that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. We were all at this point. There was a time when we didn't believe. 
The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that, dis that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God, the exact representation of God. And he goes on in verse 6 to say, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. See, Paul was referring back to Genesis 1 when he said that. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That's where the knowledge of the glory of God is displayed. In Christ himself. So if we begin with the generic word God, we begin with our own ideas about God. We don't want to do that. But begin with Jesus and we begin with God's idea about God. God opens our eyes to see him and to know him day by day. Secondly, we see humanity. We see humanity. So if you stay Close to Jesus, the light, you will never walk in darkness about humanity. Never. You will not be in the dark about what it means to be human. Jesus is both the perfect revelation of who God is and who we are and who we, are being, who, who we were created to be. Look at Jesus. We're to be like him. Jesus is the one unblemished untarnished, untwisted, authentic, whole human being. And there's a human being who sits on the throne, who sits at the right hand of the Father and who will reign forever. There is a man in the glory and his name is Jesus. And what stands out immediately about Jesus as he lives his human life is he lives by faith. He loves the Father. He delights in the Father. He obeys the Father. He's not an island. He didn't make all his own decisions on his own independently. He was in perfect relationship with the Father whom he loves and he's been in relationship for all eternity. None of us can exist as islands alone. We're not made for it. We're made to be in relationship with him who is our father. And Jesus loves others. See, because he's light, we see what love really looks like. This is so pertinent today. Not our own ideas about love for what love looks like or what love is. It's all very well to say God is love and act according to our own ideas about what love is. The words used so loosely these days, of course, we know that. But God is both love, God is love, and God is light, which is very important. So Jesus sheds light on the true form and substance of love. And we don't love any old way. See, in his light, we see light. Otherwise, we don't know. And Jesus is what we were created and being redeemed to be like, persons who believe in love. Which is why when we come to him 
and ongoingly we just feel at home. We feel at home when we come to Christ. When we know him intimately, we are at home. But you know what happens? Ongoingly we feel our great need. We realise we don't love as we ought. Our faith is not as we would like it to be. We fall short in so many ways. But in God's grace, he leads us on, transforms us, and uh, uh, takes us on into himself. He loves us. So, just like we don't know God with the generic word God and our own ideas about God, we don't begin to know about humanity with the word humanity or with ourselves or our feelings. We begin with Jesus. <laughs> the one true human being. So there's nothing higher for humanity or God than to be Christ-like. Isn't that amazing? He is the centre of the universe. He is the one at the centre of this church. He is the one that holds us and keeps us. Stay close to Jesus, the light, and you will never walk in darkness about divinity or humanity. Thirdly, we see God's plans and God's ways. We see God's plans and God's ways. Stay close to the light of the world and you will not walk in darkness about the will of God or the plans of God or God's heart for you and for the world. He leads us out of darkness and uncertainty into the light of his good purposes. That's what he does. That's what he wants to do. That's his heart. Uh, we're often the issue. But he opens up the way for us to walk into his good purposes in our lives. He doesn't give us a blueprint, does he, at the outset? Doesn't lay it all out for us? No. He wants us to walk with him. It's one step at a time. To love him, to know him, and to be changed. See, when I look back over my life, I, and I'm sure when we all do it, no matter what we've been through, but when we look back over our lives honestly and reflect, uh, when I do, I would have never have planned uh, what has unfolded in my life. Not just the fact of wonderful wife and children and grandchildren and all of that and friends from different parts of the world, you know, time, <coughs> a time in various parts of the world too, in London and other places, 30 years with uh, PwC and all that contained living and studying theology in Vancouver, for example, 10 years pastoring here at Mount Pleasant, you know, being a part of amazing churches around the world that have been instrumental in changing my life. I would never have planned those things. Never. My plans would have been what I thought was good for me. But I look back and I give thanks to God because his plans are so much better. And even in our suffering. They're better. And you know what? I know there's much in my ignorance and in my unbelief and in my holding back from him that I've missed. I've missed a lot. A lot of us do. We miss what the Lord has for us. And, uh, but Jesus redeems and, and uh, brings us on right where we are into his good things, step by step. 
See, he's unfolded the will of the Father to me, not that I've followed perfectly. In all my weakness, I've failed so many times, but Jesus' heart is to reveal the will of the Father to each one of us. And as he does, he grants us faith. And our will is to come in line with his, and when it does, we go on. The problem is we hold back. We hold back. But God is gracious in my weaknesses, in my failings, and God is gracious to all of us. See, all, we all have dreams. Uh, I certainly had dreams when I was younger. I have dreams now. But, you know, in the end, I realise now that the only dreams that matter are his. Discovering his heart for us. For us individually and for us as a church and for our families and so on. He is the one that leads us and he's the one that gives us the greatest joy and the greatest fulfilment in life. What I do know is that following Jesus into his dreams means change. Change. And often unexpected change, though he prepares us for us. See, living by faith is stepping out in faith and being changed. Takes courage. Takes courage for any one of us to do that. But God empowers us if we walk with him and often change is seen for us as being too hard or lost, or so we resist. And this is the sad thing. So my transformation over the years has been curtailed by my holding back. By my holding back, by my resisting. But God calls us into his yet-to-be-unfolded goodness. That's what he does. That requires us stepping out in faith, and the outcome is beyond our greatest dreams and expectations. See, Jesus, the light, knows where he's taking his church. He knows where he's taking each one of us individually. And uh, he knows and he will not leave us to walk in darkness about his will if we open to him. And finally, we see change in our lives. And this is so key. We see change in our lives. If we stay close to Jesus, the light of the world, dare to step out in faith, dare to take the risks and follow him into greater and deeper intimacy. It's personal. It's not a thing's thing. It's a person who is wanting to be intimate with us and to be personal with us. That's going on in faith by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. He loves us. And we experience more and more inner cleansing as we do more and more inner healing and more and more change in our lives. See, Jesus, the light of all lights, at the right time, he knows at the right time, he shines his lights. He touches the secret places in our lives. Those dark nooks and crannies that we all have in our lives and in our hearts, in our thought life, in our emotions, to expose. What the Lord wants to do is to expose the darkness. And if we let him, he shines his light into the darkness and he brings life and beauty and form and healing. doesn't do it all at once. He usually does it by shining, touching uh, things in our lives one thing at a time. 
We couldn't handle it. If the Lord revealed all that's wrong with me today, I couldn't stand up here. I would fall to the ground in horror. But God touches our lives. Only the things that we're able to deal with at the time. He knows. And it's taking those little steps of transformation. And of course, as we do, we experience more and more inner radiance, more and more inner freedom. His, his, light, his light turns our darkness into light so that we can be the light of the world. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. See, he meant that. Because he is the light of the world in you by the power of his Holy Spirit, you are becoming more like him. And you shine all the more brightly as you enable his light to shine in you. See, Psalm 8 says, You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. I love it. And Proverbs 4 the path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining even brighter to the full light of day. You see the image there? He doesn't reveal all that's not right at once. It's progressive transformation, often slower though than what it should be because we hold back. We, don't, we hold on to darkness amazingly and refuse to take opportunity that the Lord presents to respond to him and be changed. The house across the road from us, it's a quarter block, and uh, the whole verge took the lawn out and planted daisies. And uh, quite amazing, really. I don't like daisies much. But uh, what I learnt from these daisies, just sitting in the lounge room there one day, is that when the sun comes up, these daisies are closed. They're like this in the morning. And as the sun shines on these daisies, they open. They open slowly and they open to the sun and they shine brighter. This beautiful, just a great display of colour and life there uh, right across the verge. And uh, someone told me that, uh, that uh, daisies got their name from being day's eyes. Day's eyes. Is that true? Yes. So they, the light... You know, our eyes, light comes into our eyes, so the light comes into these things and they shine brightly. Just beautiful, really. But it's a great image for us because in the same way, the Son of God, Jesus, as we open to him and as we allow him, he shines his life-giving light into us, enabling us to mature and to shine brighter and bear the fruit of his perfect humanity. It's a beautiful thing to go on shining brighter. We're being transformed into his image and so become more radiant. And that's God's heart for us. So in closing, I wonder this morning if the Lord is putting his finger on an area of darkness in your life that you've kept hidden away in your heart behind closed doors. That's what we do. But we know it dulls our life. We know that. And darkens our life, prevents us from maturing in Christ and uh, your light, light shining, your life shining more brightly day by day. So I wonder whether there are hidden thoughts, for example, that keep coming into your mind. 
that you know are destructive in your life. You know, negativity, I am useless, I am not worth it. These kind of thoughts, they're lies. They're lies. Sexual immorality can come into the mind. See, is there even unresolved hurt in your life that leads to responses in certain situations that you know are not right? Like uncontrolled outbursts and actions that deeply hurt other people. It's not uncommon. Or jealousy in your heart. A shocking thing. Because it prevents you from being who you really are. Who you were made to be. It does more than that. It tarnishes all your relationships. And like bitterness. Is there bitterness in your heart? See, bitterness sours your life. It eats you up. Prevents you from shining brightly. Unforgiveness in your life, an unwillingness to let go that destroys relationships, even relationships with your closest friends. Whatever else it might be, agitation and high levels of frustration that leads to damaging and regretful outbursts of anger, these kind of things that tarnish our lives. And of course, you know what's holding you back from going on with the Lord. The Lord graciously puts his finger on the things in our lives that, that he wants to deal with that's preventing us from shining more brightly. You see, sin only has power when it's kept in the dark. Remember, darkness is the absence of light. And so darkness, so the darkness of sin loses its power when it's exposed to the light. See, darkness cannot exist in a room full of light. And think of your life as a room full of light. That God's heart is to penetrate right through to every part of your life. And if we're honest, we're all areas in our lives where we need the light of the Lord to shine. It's not always easy to admit those areas and to repent and allow God's light to shine into those, those dark places. But when we do, there's great relief. There is great relief. And there's a moving on into life and a possession of the kingdom of God in your life when you do. None of us are perfect, but there's one who is. We're going to sing this last song. There is one name who holds weight above all other names, and his name is Jesus Christ, who, overcome, who overcame sin and darkness on the cross. Holy is his name. Praise God. And he's ready to heal every willing heart. And he's saying today, I am the light of the world. Whoever allows me into their life will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I believe the Lord is saying to us this morning, giving you and me opportunity to respond to him and say, yes, Lord, let your light shine in my heart, into these places that need change, that need restoration. And Lord, begin the healing process. Bring life and bring beauty and transformation into my life in Jesus' name.
So I encourage you today to do business with God. And so as we stand to sing this next song, let's open our hearts to God and let Him work in our hearts in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear from you. If you would like prayer, please submit a prayer request at mounties.org.au forward slash prayer or send an email to communications at mounties.org.au and one of our team will be in contact. Have a great week.